It's going to be loud on my side. <laughs> my bad. Okay. All right, let's uh, – Will, Will, great having you on the on the podcast, man. Really good having you here on Rolling Master Guns. Um, I'm actually relatively relatively new to the podcast game. I'm still within my first 100 episodes, you know, so I'm I'm figuring this thing out. And they do say within your first 100 episodes, they say they're throwaways, but I don't think so, man. I think I got some real gold in some of these episodes already. But uh, I got some good stuff. Man, uh, I'm excited to be on here. Uh, I've been on a couple podcasts and – Pretty much every time it's somebody trying something new, but I, I I really like what you're doing with your podcast. Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually pretty therapeutic for myself, honestly, brother. It really is. Uh, talking to other Marines and veterans, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So let's talk about you. I don't want to mess up your last name because I'm like synonymous for doing that. <laughs> and, and even with people that I've known for years, are messing up their last name? So I'll let you introduce yourself. Will or you do uh, that? My name is Will Lusheen, so it's Lusheen. Yeah. But I mean, I've heard that a million different ways, and I answer to all of it. So yeah, um, I still would have messed that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So retired Marine Corps um, gunnery sergeant uh, as an O three sixty nine. Did the O three eleven game coming in. Uh, yeah. Did a couple of deployments. Uh, I worked in the uh, the sniper community for quite a while, and then I. Uh, I actually got tapped to be a platoon commander for a while, so that was pretty interesting. The staff over, and then nice. uh, meritoriously promoted to gunnery sergeant and took over um, a company gunning position, and then became the ops chief down in Gitmo before I was a uh, kind of medically retired. No shit, down at Guantanamo Bay, huh? Yeah, man. That has had to be a hell of an experience. That was that was a good time, man. It was it was pretty interesting, especially a new gunny, and then I take over a whole operation of an entire base. It was, it was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I'm like, holy crap, that had to be awesome. Yeah. That had to be chaotic at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. I was the only gunnery sergeant down there, so like nobody even, I don't even know if anybody knew my last name. They just knew me as Gunny. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, funny how that happens. I like that. Yeah. My, my, my young, the young Marines last few years in the Marine Corps, they got into calling like their chief warrant officer or their lieutenant. Like the sir, the ma'am. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, the the, the sir said the what said? <laughs> that was threw me off. The what? <laughs> That's funny. But okay. And um, you're medically retired for what reason? Well, uh, so there was a, I had a, a major lung issue. Uh, I actually have one lung. So I, I had a lung removed. Holy crap. Yeah. And then I, uh, I kind of fought through it for quite a while. But then, I don't know, it just kind of caught up with me. Uh, and then I think that, and it started messing, I don't know, I started getting light, uh, lightheaded, I was getting short of breath, and then they basically said I had like some severe asthma because my other lung was was starting to uh, deteriorate, so they kind of started pushing me out. But then once I got my findings back, they actually, I was with the Wounded Warrior Regiment, and they did a really good job as soon as Tara popped up, the, ter uh, the temporary early re retirement. They put me on that because it was more beneficial. So technically, I'm not medically retired. I, I retired normally through Terra, but it was due to the fact that I was uh, going to be medically retired. Yeah, absolutely. That's been more beneficial to you. Now you get your your Terra retirement and your and you get your VA stuff. Yep. Hell yeah, that's good to go, man. That's good stuff, brother. So and you're and you, let's talk about your jujitsu, brother. When did when did you start? All right, so I started in MMA. Uh, I did judo and wrestling growing up. So in high school, I wrestled. I was 
I was pretty decent. Uh, yeah. And then I did a lot of judo. But then I didn't really do anything when I joined the Marine Corps. And I got to Marine Corps Security Forces Training Company, and there was an MMA fighter there. And I was like, holy shit, like that, this is, this is, that's some cool shit. So I started doing that. And we just trained, and I fought and a ton of amateur fights, and I started doing nogi competitions. And I, one of my last amateur fights, I was the champion, I was defending my title. And I tapped some really high level jujitsu guy out. And the referee was the same referee for most of my matches. Um, and he kind of, he, he asked me like what belt I was. And I was like, I'm, man, I'm a white belt. And it, uh, Rick McCoy, he's a, he's a high level black belt in Richmond. He runs the MMA Institute. He's like, come up to my gym, man. So I went up the weekend. He kind of, uh, we rolled around for like two hours, three hours. And he's like, promoted me to blue belt right there. That was the first time I'd ever put on a gi. So I was kind of like, okay, that's cool. I took my blue belt, I threw it in my trunk, and didn't think about it for like another seven years. And oh wow! I, yeah, I put I kept training nogi. All I wanted was the gold. You, I wanted a UFC belt. I didn't care about anything else. What year and was then, this? What year was that? You got your blue belt? Two thousand and seven, I think. Oh wow! <laughs> so I started, started doing MMA in two thousand and four. Two thousand and seven was the first time I put it on a gi. I got promoted. I, took the gi back off, put my belt in the trunk and forgot about it for what, uh, like two what weight, what weight were you, if you don't mind asking? Uh, as an amateur, I was uh, at lightweight, 155, and then I went up, I had to drop down to featherweight in the, as a pro. Cause yeah, you were, you, were too, you were too small for me, dude. I was doing that. I was doing the amateur MMA and fishing around with the MMA thing back in that same time frame. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it was that was the interesting years of MMA when you're fighting in like bars and yeah. Yeah. You could just straight. I was, it was a good time, man. Cause you could just roll up and Hey, cool. And sign up the day before and yeah. you're fighting them. Are you fighting tomorrow night in this bar down in Salt Lake city? Cool. Let's yeah, do this, bro. Somebody, and then he pulled out. So I just fought some other random dude. I don't even know if he weighed in. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I said it was the same kind of thing for my buddy. Uh, one of my buddies who fought one time he showed up and he was like, cool. He had a point they said, cool, how much do you weigh? He weighed 155 the day before um, when he weighed in at the academy at the, what do you call it, Ultimate Combat Training Center. And the next day we show up to fight and it's a totally different dude, like 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. The other, the other guy didn't show up, man, my bad. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Okay. I, I remember we had a fight and uh, I was, it was supposed to be a two-round fight, two, two five-minute rounds because of the amateurs. And they were just like, let's go another round. So, like, I'm in my corner. I went back to my corner. We're waiting for, like, the – the referee decision to figure out who won this thing. And they're like, we're going to go another round. Whatever. Oh, shit. And I was like, wait, what? Okay, here we go. Let's go. Like, made up the rules. Cool. Yeah, that's some, that's some crazy stuff, man. That's fun, though. But I got back into jiu-jitsu in 2014 because I started, like, saying, you know what? Like, MMA game, I'm, I'm too old. I'm too beat up. And I kind of want to do this for the rest of my life. So I threw on a gi and just started training in the gi, too. It kind of... I progressed pretty quickly because I've been doing it for so long. I just needed to learn the grips. And then, uh, yeah, I got my black belt a couple of years ago. Nice. nice. My story is a little bit different with that. I started back in like 2003. This guy wrestled in high school and been boxing my, my whole life. But uh, so I, I kind of leaned on that way too much. But then I, I learned the hard way that jiu-jitsu is like, it's really real. And I got choked unconscious. 
by a guy who outweighed, I outweighed by like 50 pounds, you know what I mean? But it was, it was a very humbling thing for me. And that really made me learn, Hey, you got to actually learn how to defend yourself at least to keep it on the feet and not, and be able to get out of shit on the ground, dude. Cause you're going to get, you're going to get murdered. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so that was very humbling for me. But then I, I kind of took off the gi, or I didn't even put on the gi. I never did. I was just all no gi stuff. But then I never put on the gi, like at all, until my son started training here in, in Tamirietta, and I didn't want him to be one of those dads, you know what I mean, coaching from the sidelines. So I'm like, hold up, I could still do this with all my mechanical parts and, and surgeries. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all. It's all good. Yeah. I don't haven't progressed as fast as you, bro. But I think maybe you got the you got the natural talent a little more than I do. I just got got raw determination right now. I was, I mean, I I was kind of lucky. I landed back here in Virginia Beach, where I I trained a lot when I was here as a security forces. So the Wounded Warrior Regiment started trying to like they knew that I was going to get my finance back, that I was going to get retired. So they kind of said, "Hey, you want to go do like an internship at the gym you work?" So like my so four, I did nothing but train as long as my lung would allow me to. Uh, yeah. but I was on the mats like all the time, even if I was just watching other guys roll. So um, I, I'm I'm really interested in your game, man. It's got to be like a methodical patience because you can't really. I'm certain. Just imagining if you only have one lung, like your oxygen capacity is limited to your muscles. So like explosive behaviors is limited or no? Honestly, I've I haven't really noticed. Until recently, I'm good for like that first five, six minutes. I can go hard and fast, and then I hit a wall. And uh, I'm not sure if that's just COVID. I haven't been training the way I have, but I like people usually find out I only have one long, and they're kind of shocked because it's they they don't feel it in my game. I, I kind of try and push the pace, uh, but my my cardio has always been pretty good. I've been really like. A cardio is heavy because I know that I need my my heart to be pumping as much blood every time it can because of my lung, that one lung. But uh, yeah. um, gi, it's I kind of play uh, the Keenan Cornelius lapel game a lot because it oh, will nice. down. It gets them all kind of tangled up, and so passing's hard. So I can slow down the passing, and then no gi. Um, I I've kind of started working what I call the triangle guard. I've learned a million ways to get to the triangle position, but I don't try and lock up a triangle. I basically put a closed guard around your shoulder and neck and start working arm bars and everything from there. So it's, uh, that, that, that'd be interesting to learn. Cause I, I find myself in that position on accident quite <laughs> often, quite often. Cause like people will try to stack. Cause my guard's not my best. My, my top game is my shit. Okay. Uh, the, my, my guard game is, I always can say it's trash. Because I just don't feel comfortable on the back, but uh, so I'm, I'm working to get my guard better. So I've been pulling guard a lot, but um, now I won't pull the guard in a tournament. So if you're competing against me, don't count on that. But <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've been pulling. Been trying to work my guard a lot. Hearing like try to go for the triangle with my knee, man. I can't really collapse it down and, and lock up a tight triangle because my knee's just hurting right now. So I'm like. I find myself in that position on accident because it's just right there, and the temptation to throw, throw the triangle. Oh shit. <laughs> and now I'm in the now I'm in the diamond and I pull down. Oh, frick! Now I'm locked in. I can't even tighten it down. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people like that. That that angle, you got to cut that angle as yeah. fast or as you possibly can to uh, try and bring your that cat that's kind of over the top of the shoulder needs to go across that neck. Like it does. Like if it's down the back at all, you're gonna it's gonna be a hard time locking up. You got to cut that angle like 90 degrees so your cat is Ooh. straight across that neck. 
and it, yeah. it makes it so tight and it's so much easier to lock your legs up. Um, I like yeah, that. I triangle out of that though. I usually hit like a razor arm bar or the reverse arm bar or a Kimura out of that just that goal because they're so worried about the triangle. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely a the go-getters is the Kimura armbar. The armbar usually gets me from the triangle because the Kimura, I, I defend that with a ferocious venom because I'm terrified of hurting my shoulders again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the armbar, I, sometimes I think I can stack over and spin out of it and do some kind of weird shit and I end up getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 90% of what I get to. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, man. I love it. Uh, so do you compete with, uh, with, the, with your one lung? Do you still compete? Yeah, I've been like nonstop competing. <laughs> like that's, that's what gets me through. Um, I, I kind of feel like it was the way it was in the military. You always had that deployment coming up. So everything you did led up to that. Yeah. That, workups. <laughs> yeah, like you knew every time you went out to the field, it was like, okay, this sucks, but it, there's a purpose behind it. So same thing. Like I need that tournament three months down the road that, I mean, that, that Goals. helps me drive my decisions. Like, am I going to eat that donut? Oh, I got a tournament. Yeah. Come on. I'll grab something else. That really um, does, though. It really does. Help. I, and when you think about it, I never thought about it until you said it right now. But even in the Marine Corps, you always had that little goal of a deployment, a PFT, a CFT, uh, a, a McMap course, something. You know what I mean? They, or a, a leadership course. Yeah. yeah, you always had something to keep you pushing. So, yeah, you can't just stop. I like that. It keeps you solid. You got to have goals, even if they're just milestone goals. Yeah, you got the short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. So like, you don't have the short-term goals. It's hard, to, it's hard to look so far down the road that you're like, hey, in two years is where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I dig that yeah. a lot. Hell yeah, man. Let's talk about some Marine Corps stuff. All right. <laughs> the Marine Corps shit. I know we talked about a little bit about that a lot. But you have had a couple of deployments, yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, seven deployments, I think. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Seven, my dude. You went to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yep, both of those places a few times. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to, I've been to both of those those continents. Iraq is a familiar place. Not, I hate to say it. But, but um, went to Afghanistan. I did get to do a whole bunch in Afghanistan because I was mainly on the. I was with the wing, so I got okay. to do. I got to do a few little tours on the helos and fly out to places. But it's not the same, bro. Because my brothers were out there with three five. And they were out there and singing, and I wasn't—I was a cop. I was on freaking uh, Leatherneck. So yeah, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't the same experience for me as it was for them, for sure. And I was trying to help my homies. I was a master, and then so I was sending my boyfriend, Sergeant Lucas, pushing them out care packages from just from like sometimes you just get shit from the chow hall at Leatherneck, yeah. and, I would, and I would just throw like protein packs, cereal packs, you know what I mean, and then throw it in the box because I knew the postal dude, and hey, send this out to the freaking this, this fob, boom, and they put it up, rotate it out, and put the little. FPOAP on it, boom, send it out. Yeah, that's some, that's some good shit. Uh, you, you get people who go out there and they go to like Leatherneck and they forget that there's people who are, have it like they're sort of away from the flagpole. You're like, man, I'm in Afghanistan. I'm in, like, that, that's cool when you're looking out for somebody who's further down the line than you instead of saying like, this is where I'm at. So yeah, a, lot of those folks, a lot of those folks who do that, they haven't been. You know, they, yeah. that's what we talked about via chat is I think every specifically, I do think administrators, I honestly think, yeah, like you were saying, every MOS that's not, that's not air wing should have to do a tour to see if you can survive an infantry unit. <laughs> I, I think that's would be great. I think they, I mean, that's, that's 
when you see those recruiting videos, even if that you don't want to be the guy on the ground with a gun, you want to be supporting that guy. Yeah. Who's, you want to be doing your job. Like everybody in the Marine Corps, regardless of who you are, what your rank is, you're supporting that 0311 on the ground. Absolutely. So you're the machine gun, you're the, the platoon sergeant, the whatever, you're supporting that that team, that, that 0311. So I think you should do that at least one point. Absolutely. And you because you need to have those skills. And so I tell you what, they, they are life-saving because I had those skills as a sergeant when I was pumping out the different units. Well, first was a, as a communicator getting augmented out to a million freaking units for 29 Palms all the time training, right? So I learned oh, yeah. a, lot of good, a lot of good infantry skills. And then flash forward, I'm a sergeant in 1-4 having to lead patrols to defend yep. freaking headquarters cop. Yep. And, guess what, and, guess, and guess what I was doing? I was fucking up grunt units and it was a good time and they were getting pissed. So who the fuck is this sergeant? You know, setting up a setting up an L-shaped ambush and shit. It was, yeah. just basic, it, just ba- it was just basics, but it worked great because y'all didn't think we knew it, you know? 100%. Uh, we, I was in HIT. I was the uh, assistant operations chief in HIT, and I actually grabbed like, what was it, like a 12-man patrol. None of them were O3s. I was the only O3, and we went on patrol out to do a, uh, like a lead, uh, leader engagement, key leader engagement. Set up security. They did everything. One of our, uh, he was actually one of our arrows. He went in. He talked with the key leader engagement. Did some, uh, did some talking. We set up security, and they were on point because they nobody was like, I got this. Everybody was, they, they didn't think they were better than what they were actually doing. So everybody was focused. Everybody knew their jobs. Man, it was it was a good time. I was worried at first when they told me, Hey, this is what we want you to do. And they put in the work, and they they knew what they were doing, and they were on point. So I was. So much props to all those guys. There, two of them were from our admin section. We had a couple comm guys who've never even really been out of the wire. Um, and then we grabbed a couple supply guys and two intel dudes and our corpsmen. We went out. It was it was awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Because it's it's life saving skills. Yeah. I mean, we were in, when we were in Iraq, we had Cop Ellis, bruh. It was a dump in the middle of nowhere, but. They augmented everybody from headquarters company because all the line companies were out there doing grunt shit. So yep. we had to de- we had to defend ourselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> all my Marines were snatched for freaking cop security and they were running the patrols. And I had one kid or two kids, two Marines. And I would consistently I have to go back out and check on the my boys and their fighting holes and whatever and yeah. when they're posted. But they were having to run patrols and they were like, man, they were grateful to, for the, all the workups and the fact that we actually got to go do some stuff. You know? <laughs> But they were grateful that they knew that shit because they had their woman fuzzy that if some shit actually if we did get attacked they were good. We, well, they, I mean, we, yeah, I got a lot of friends who and, and buddies around here who ask me like, what's the difference between the Marine Corps and the Army, Marine Corps, whatever? I was like, okay, two two big things. One, Marines teach leadership from day one. If there are two Marines, one of them is a leader. It doesn't matter what your rank is. Someone you'll always be a leader, and you're going to learn how to lead before you get the quote unquote rank of leadership before you become an NCO other unit, like other branches don't do that. You like, they don't know nothing about leadership until they're like, okay, now you're a corporal. Now you'll learn how to lead. I was like, B every Marine, a rifleman isn't just something we say. We teach them. Everybody, everybody has to go through a basic combat course when they're joining the Marine Corps. And the biggest example of that, look at the Jessica Lynch, um, when she was kidnapped during yeah. the invasion, that was because yeah. nobody in the unit even knew how to work their weapons. That doesn't happen to Marines because 
every Marine or Rifleman. Um, and I think that's huge. So you get that mentality from the start. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very, very solid point because a lot of people forget about that stuff. When they hit that, when they hit that convoy, they didn't know how, nobody knew what they were doing. She got snatched up easy. Yep. All their rifles were in like condition four and nobody knew how to fix a malfunction. It was crazy. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. Very good point. Very, very good point. I love that trash. Um, here's an off the wall question from one of our, one of our crazy followers, but um, toxic leadership, toxic leadership. How do you deal with those folks who are the do as I say, not as I do leaders, the ones who come in late, leave early, never PT, but try to hold you to the highest standard? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I, I have been very fortunate. I, I think I've had some great leaders uh, throughout my entire career. I've had some amazing uh, staff NCOs, officers, and a lot of them weren't like one of the best was a, an artillery staff NCO. Um, but I, I think that for me personally, I held myself to a standard. First, you have to know what the Marine Corps standard is, not what your leadership standard is. The Marine Corps standard is what the commandant says it is. So no, there's no NCO, staff NCO officer who gets to dictate over the commandant what the standard is. Yeah. And I, I, I lived up to to the standard that I set for myself, regardless of who was going to be, uh, who said what or who did what. So if I had a staff NCO who said, hey, you guys need to be at PT and X, Y, and Z, and he never showed up, like that's on him. He's, he's going to be the one who, when, when it comes, push comes to shove, he's not going to be able to get over that wall or do X, Y, or Z. And we will. So we're going to survive the fight. We will we will uh, accomplish the mission regardless of whether he's going to do it or not. So a lot of times people are looking outward like, oh, well, if my staff NCO doesn't do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I, I've never been that way. If, if my staff NCO is not going to do it, I'll lead everybody else who's there who's going to do it. And at the end of the day, you're going to know who can do the mission and who can't, regardless of what rank they are. Yeah, um, it goes out of the window a lot when it turns into a firefight, when it turns into that situation where – Life or death. Um, I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for rank. I'm looking for a leader. Absolutely, and that's that's a very very positive point. Because seriously, when shit starts hitting the fan, and you got RPGs flying, bro, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be there. just because I'm the gunning out there. I'm not gonna be the one leading everything on in, in infantry patrol. We got a platoon commander. We got a platoon sergeant running that thing. I'm following orders like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have that leader who like won't step up. You can't just say, well. Lieutenant doesn't doesn't want to do it, so we're just going to sit here. It's someone's going to step up, and that's what we've we've done as a corps for for hundreds of years. Yeah, absolutely right. And we were always ready. But when somebody goes down, somebody will step up because yep. that's how we teach. You teach the people above you; they know what you're doing, and you teach the people below you so they know how to step up. Good shit, love it. I love it. Let's talk about. I know why I what helps me out and why I keep going back to jujitsu. Uh, cause it is very good therapy and it has been great for me in my transition. Um, yeah. but let's hear your experience in that. What, what is, what is the benefits of training jujitsu and why is it different for veterans? So a lot of people don't really talk about that or really think about why would it be different for veterans? Yeah. So I, I talk about this a lot cause I've been fortunate enough. Uh, I ran and I started an academy down at, uh, in Guantanamo Bay, which worked with a lot of veterans and then, um, 
active duty as well. And then when I got back to Virginia, I didn't do the same thing. But I believe, like I said before, Marines are used to having that short-term goal. And how do I lead up to that? Um, and they're used to, all veterans are used to the camaraderie of you go into work, you work as hard as you possibly can, not just for yourself, but for your buddy to your left and to your right. And at the end of a good good training session, it's the same as the end of a good field exercise. Everybody's tired. Everybody's beat up. Everybody's sweat is just dripping off your face. But you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You, yeah. that, that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of brotherhood, like we're all sitting on this wall right here just dripping in sweat. We just beat the crap out of each other for the last two hours or whatever. You feel – you feel good about yourself and you feel connected to a community of everybody else who's trying to not just make themselves better, but they're trying to make you better. There's times where I didn't want to go in. I'm, ter- I'm tired. I'm sore, but I know so-and-so is going to be there and he's training for something. So I'll go in because I know I, I can make him better. I think that's huge. And why it's different than any other martial art is that we can go close to hundred percent every single night for two hours. Do that in Muay Thai, and you're going to have so much concussion, oh, so yeah. many things and bruises. You can't do that every night. It's just not yeah. feasible. And if you do, if you're one of those gyms that go hard every night, you're probably not going to keep your students very long. No, your, your career is going to end early. <laughs> yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, I can do it every night, and no one's going to seriously get hurt. I can't even do Jiu-Jitsu super hard every night. Like some days, like, yeah. I mean, no. I'm, almost, I'm almost 50, bro. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember how old you were. Yeah, I'm 40. Okay, I see. A little bit different, but I, you know, I still remember 40. I got that's when I started getting back into it, it was in the 40s. But yeah. dude, I was mad sore, and I would have to really pump the BCAAs and freaking amino acids to try to keep myself oh. from getting sore. Oh, yeah. But and I really had to start off slow because I had I had a lot of injuries I was still trying to re- re- recuperate, and I was still drinking, which was poisoning my body, which is you know, whatever I got over that. But uh, so like my body would just keep getting hurt. So I'd, I'd train for a day, rest for a day, train for a day, rest for like my first year. <laughs> I had to do it. I go train, do strength and conditioning the next day, train, do strength and conditioning the next day. I think that's that's a a big part of it too, is that everybody, everybody has been where you, wherever you are right now in your jujitsu game or everybody's been there. Like you're not, you're not special. So it's the same thing. Everybody's been a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. Everybody's been a Lance Corporal. So everybody knows what it's like. You have those guys who get promoted and then they kind of forget a little bit. But guess what? They're getting humbled by somebody who's above them. So that hierarchy, the rank structure, the I've been where you've been. So, like, if I come in and I'm rolling with you and you're having, a, like, one of those days where you're sore, you're tough, and I'm, I'm not going to just, okay, well, now it's the day I put it on you. I've been where you've been. So, like, I roll with at the level that my guys are going to be trying to, trying to work at. So I think, I think for the most part, jiu-jitsu does that really well. If I come in, feel someone's going slower or lighter, cool, I'm going with you. If you say, hey, man, my shoulder's bothering me, I'm not going to attack it. The ego, there's there's very low ego in most gyms. Sometimes you'll get somebody in there who just wants to win. You'll get those new white belts who are wrestlers and they think they got to win at a training session, but those guys get humbled pretty quickly. Yeah. And you don't improve. Like I really noticed, like I was always afraid to pull guard. My guard always sucked. Yeah, and then, and then when I needed it in a tournament because I pulled guard by accident because I lost the throw, you know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. you know, so it's like I pulled guard by accident. And then my buddy Andy was like, "Why, dude, you pulled guard? I was so surprised." I'm like, "Bro, I did that shit by accident, man. I was either gonna get taken down myself or I had to jump guard." You know what I mean? It was like it wasn't on purpose, and then but I couldn't do anything with it. One, I hadn't drilled it. I'm trying to yep. do stuff. I tried to do stuff thinking about it that I hadn't drilled before or hadn't drilled much. So I was like, "Yeah, what are you doing, bro? You didn't, even, you didn't even haven't even gone for freaking." an ankle lock in training and how long and you're diving for an ankle lock the last 30 seconds to save the match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's funny. I, I think that, um, I was, I was watching, I think it was John Donaher and he was talking about Gary Tonin. He says he gets tapped out like 30 times a, a, a night because he's always trying to see how far he can push it. Like how, how far can I give this arm bar? to this, this random guy who walked in before I, I get to, I can defend it. So he's going to defend it seven times, but he's going to get tapped three times. Yeah. I think people who are not afraid to go into the training session and say, this is training. Like I'm not winning a gold medal right here. Those guys get so good so fast. And that's one thing that I preach is like, that no one's doing anything here to win. Like we're, if you win every match, you're not doing, you're not getting better. If you, if you are not afraid to lose, like I, and I get tapped out by my students all the time because I'm trying stuff. I'm trying. I see something, put myself in a horrible position, and see if I can fight my way out of it. And the the egos go out the window when like I, I think when the coach is af- not afraid to lose and students see their coach get tapped out, they know their coach is gonna is better than them. If they wanted to, they would have done it. But seeing your coach out in training shows you that I can get tapped out in training. It's cool. Like no one's gonna no one's going to. Uh, think that I'm bad because coach just got tapped out. So um, I think if the coaches are willing to do it, then everybody else kind of follows suit and there's no ego in the, in the gym. So you're not afraid to say, you know what? My guard's bad. Like that's where you should be in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you exactly. see all the time. But yeah, I'm, t- I, I'm at a, I'm at a balance right now because I'm competing soon. So I want to, I got to attack my game too, but it's yeah, still yeah. like, I feel like I'm pulling guard on people that are better than me. And then I'm just working my game on guys that I know are like my level, you know, like, okay, all right, yeah. Cliff, Cliff, come here, bro. I'm going to smash you real quick. You know, it's like one of those things. So I kind of recommend doing the opposite. Like if I'm going to go with a, a new, like if you're, say you're uh, a purple belt, if you're going with a white belt, blue belt, that's when you should try your new stuff. Try and see how it works. If you're going with your, your level, you should be playing your game. And if you're going against the, the higher levels, do you should be playing, you should be trying like, your 100% game. See if your 100% game works on them. And once your game always works on a white belt or the new thing always works on a white belt, then try it on a blue belt. If your new thing always works on a blue belt, then you can start like increasing the level. But yeah, when I'm when I'm going with new guys, I'm always trying the, the craziest stuff I can. Yeah, I like that. I like that philosophy. I'm going to start flipping that for a minute. Yeah, because I mean, I think you'll you'll see how – you try something new on a black belt and he smashes you. You're like, okay, well, he's a black belt. He'll smash me. But if a yeah. white belt smashes you, you're like, okay, this is not going to work whatsoever. So you can yeah, kind of go. Or I, yeah, that happened. I remember I'm thinking, we were, we were, my professor, Tom, was helping me out with my guard. So he was like, hey, put this really strong athletic white belt in my guard. And I did pretty good. Got him, like, tapped him three times in a row. And then I was mm-hmm. just trying some half guards. I went to half guard, trying some half guard sweeps. And, ah! Next thing you know, I got mounted. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that was obviously not right. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah, that's just funny. I think but, a big thing too is that everybody gets kind of trapped in their their gym mentality. So like you go in, you go in and you 
have a good night, you have a bad night, whatever happens. And you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not that good at jujitsu. But you need to remember like the small little gym you're in, everybody there is good. Yeah. If you compared yourself to 99% of the world after you do like one month of jujitsu, you would destroy people. So yeah, that's true. I lose to a black belt and I'm like, damn, man, my game sucks. But then I'm like, you, if you think outside the world, like you walk down the street, you know that 99.9% of anybody you like got into a little street fight with, you would destroy them with a little bit that a blue belt knows. A yeah. purple, like if you think outside of just your gym, because everybody gets kind of like tunnel visioned in their gym, like, oh man, I can't beat so-and-so. I can't beat so-and-so. This guy always destroys me. Yeah. Think outside that and look at the improvement that you've made from the moment you walked in there. And uh, I think people are kind of shocked by that, especially the new guys who have been there for like a month. And then you get that new, new guy in and that stuff doesn't work against anybody in the gym because everybody's learning the same thing works so easy against the new, new guy who hasn't seen any of that stuff. I think it's amazing. I I, I get to bounce around uh, a professor encourages cross training. It's like if, yeah. you, if, if you want to, if we have friends, when I do, I have friends at other other schools I get to go cross train at. So it, it does help out. So you go learn something at another school uh-huh. and then you come back and you try it on your own teammates. Like, Hell yeah. And they're like, wait a minute, what'd you learn at? <laughs> what, what was that? You know? Completely agree. Yeah. I love and then that. I go to, and then I go to other schools and then I, when I'm trying their, our moves that they don't know or they haven't been practicing, it, it works great too, you know? Exactly. hundred percent. I have like a, a trophy for people who hit like the move of the night on somebody. Oh, that's legit. Anybody hit me for the night, and very rarely does it happen. But if it does, I'm like, we give them props. Like, if you hit the move of the night on the guy tonight, like, good job. And we kind of, like, give an award for him. We have to change it up to, like, it would have to be the move of the night for maybe purple belts and below. Yeah. Because we, we got some brown belts that are going to hit it every time. Yeah. <laughs> and they're gonna, and they're going to ring it out on every partner that they get. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta make it like have you hit the move of the night on somebody your rank? Yeah, there you go. That's your shit. Belt, right you hit it on another blue belt. Yeah, that's you. You win that one. Yeah, you get it if you gotta get it on your rank or higher. That's dope. Yeah. Yep. I like that. I like that rule. I like that rule. That's a good one. Move of the night on your rank or higher. Yeah, because what I the two things that that I've I've noticed that uh, that I do at my gym when we teach like say I. Right now, we're kind of going over the De La Hiva, uh, some attack from the De La Hiva. So instead of just saying, all right, we're starting, start on your knees or whatever, I start them in the De La Hiva position. I'll, I'll start them in a another guard, and then I say, let your partner get to the De La Hiva, but as soon as that hook connects, it's go time. So you kind of get that, that feeling of it's not just I'm in the position, now go. It's I, as soon as I get to the position, you should start defending it. That's how a roll normally works. So start here, let them get to the De La Hiva, but as soon as that hook connects, go. And then I want to try and push them to do what we did in class. Because a lot of people, when they're like, all right, we're just opening up the mats, everybody just bails on the technique that they just learned, and they go back to what they usually do. And it's like, all right, well, we taught De La Hiva tonight, but everybody else likes the X card. So they started, like, bailed on the De La Hiva and started working X. So, yeah, that's why I came up with that little trophy, like, Try to work what we work tonight. Don't just bail on it and go back to what you feel comfortable with right away. I like that idea. That's awesome, man. It's fire. We do the sports, but we do the specific sparring a lot too. 
those yeah. are those are those are crazy rounds sometimes because we have like this cycling in off the wall, and if you yeah. win, you stay, you lose, you go, and it's just those times you're devastated and you're tired as fuck. Yeah, those are great, but uh, I like that set kind of training. Um, have you had any? Have you had any veterans like that have had some serious issues that that, that you know of that jujitsu really saved them? Uh, I do. He, so he's a, he was a, uh, he was in the Coast Guard. He was a chief in the Coast Guard. He was, he, he was a reserve. So we're down in Guantanamo Bay, some of the, uh, all our, our boat units for the Coast Guard, they're all reservists who get activated. So technically, he wasn't a veteran yet, but he was, he was a reservist down there. And uh, right before he left his hometown, he was a paramedic or an EMT. And there was a major mudslide. And it took out almost an, his entire town. And I didn't know any of this for like the three and a half months he was down there training with me. But he was very withdrawn. He was very quiet after training. Like he didn't really hang out and chat with us. And I could see as we were going, like at the very beginning, he was very withdrawn. As soon as he'd come in, he would roll. Because he did jujitsu before. He'd come in, roll, and he'd go home. And then later and later and later, we kept he would stay a little bit longer and we chat and stay a little bit longer and chat. And then right before he, his unit left, he came in and he let me know about what happened in the mudslide. And he said he was in a horrible position when he first got the demo. He, he was just drinking himself to sleep every single night. And he saw, uh, he came in and I, I meet with all the boat units cause they work with the Marines a lot. So I met him and he saw some of the jujitsu stuff and he was like, Oh man, I'm going to start doing that. But the drinking kind of kept him from coming to the classes. So I said, him, I said yeah. hey, dude, you need to stop by, man. I, 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 I know you rolled, and I need someone to roll with because most of the guys are new. So letting him know that I needed him as well, it wasn't just like, hey, come to my class and learn from me. I was like, dude, I need you. You know how to do this too, and I need some work. So he was like, okay, I'll do it. Dude, that's, started- such a, that's such a huge thing right there you said. I, I need Because that's what it, I feel. It's it's, a, it's such a valuable thing, man. When people feel needed, yeah, like they feel like they belong. Like, hey, dude, I need you here to help. That's fucking money. Yeah, and and I like if I don't if someone a student's not in my class for a couple of nights, like I'll reach out to him. I don't want it to feel like it's my class and they're my students. Like it's our class. We we are a team. Um, I'm kind of unconventional when it comes to that stuff. Like. I, I try and treat it like a wrestling team because I compete too. At the end of the night, instead of like everybody bowing to me and everything, we put our hands in the middle and we like grind on three, one, two, three grind. So we're all like, there's nobody better than anybody else. We're just, I just have the most knowledge. So I'll teach what I know. But if someone doesn't show up, I'm like, Hey man, I need you in the gym, dude, you're good at this. And I need that work. And I need you on the mats. Cause like, so everybody feels like, dude, if I don't show up, I'm hurting my team. Not, well, coach won't miss me because he's got like 30 other people to talk to. So I 100% agree. Like if they feel needed, if you feel needed, you're going to want to be there. You don't want to let anybody down. So I got to push that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Sometimes I need it pushed on me too, bro. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, I noticed that when I was a master guns, I noticed that with my own black belt professor too. Like a lot of people forget to check on the boss, man. You know, (laughs) nobody really asked. How are you doing, dude? Will you doing okay? You having any issues, bro? You know what I mean? Nobody. How many people ask that? Very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. I noticed and, that, but I, I, like I know that feeling. 
So like I, I I do bring my I do I do talk to my professor and like ask how he's doing sometimes. I know he deals with a lot of shit. And like yeah. I used to have aspirations of wanting to be a gym owner, you know, and wanting to have my own facility, whatnot. But dude, that's a lot of work and a lot of drama and a lot of drama that comes with that too. But yeah, there is a lot of uh, politics in jujitsu. It's you don't I'm notice not- it until you get a higher rank or you run a gym or help run a gym. Yeah, a lot. yeah you start noticing it for sure. And it, uh, you start noticing all the, yeah, there's definitely a lot of drama that I don't definitely, I dealt with that too much as a master gunny, I guess. Yeah. My last four years in the Marine Corps was like, man, it's like I was a babysitter half the time. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I wanted to go that route too. I, I did not want to be a first sergeant. I didn't want to be a sergeant major. I wanted it. If I stayed in, I was like, I want to be a master sergeant. I, I want to stay in my MOS because I felt like leadership, yeah, is important, but I think like, I wanted to stay in my MOS. I wanted to keep leading my Marines and I wanted to like make sure the industry was going, but I felt like the, like what you were saying that even the master sergeants, master guns, they were kind of like turning into babysitters. And I was like, damn, like what, what's going on? Like, why, why is it so different at the top than what you think it is as like a Lance Corporal Sergeant? Yeah. Cause you got a, now you got 123 Marines in your charge and guess what, man, all their problems, are your problems. And if exactly. you're, and as, as Joella used to say, if you're any kind of a leader, you're going to make it your effort every single day to take yeah. their burdens from their shoulders and put them onto yours. Because that's, uh-huh. what, leaders, that's what leaders do, you know, and it's, it's a struggle. <laughs> I uh, completely agree. I think that, I mean, that's the hardest part of it's That's why it's so much harder as a, like everybody's like, Oh man, once you get gunny, you just come in and you drink coffee and like, <laughs> no, okay. That's not, that's not it. You see, but like, we're drinking coffee because we didn't sleep the night prior because we're we're worried about so-and-so's baby and we're worried about so-and-so's like his wife is pregnant and this these guys are getting a divorce and this kid just got a DUI and it's like now we're at work and I got to worry about getting Marines ready to go to Afghanistan and it's like yeah it's it's a lot and you don't see it and like you said nobody checks on the hire and even if they do it's like hey what's up Gunny? how are you doing they're not yeah. listening to the response yeah and well, Gunny's going to be like, oh, man, this is shit. Like, my, my life is horrible. I got all this pressure. Like, nobody – but you can see it. Like, if you, you actually – yeah, I, I started noticing with my Marines who – like, I had some good motherfuckers, man, in my last unit. Like, I had – for my sergeants and below, I can't say much about the, the senior leadership because it was kind of kind kind of, of weird. But um, <laughs> sergeants and below, I definitely had some good dudes. That's good Marines. That's good. Good, good guys and girls, because I have like, some of my females were my baddest chicks out there, man. They're baddest Marines in place, because it was just, I don't know, man. I had really good youth, because I, I would walk down the hallway, and I'd come from meeting, I'd be pissed off, or I was serving as the acting sergeant major, and I had to deal with, now I got 1,200 problems to deal with, and, <laughs> and, and they would be like, hey, Master Guns, how you doing? I'm like, fucking terrible, and I just walked to my office, because I'm just speaking yeah. my mind, and I walked yeah. to my office, like, like, fuck, and like five minutes later, that same sergeant. We're coming to my office, but hey, Master Guns, man, I just want to make sure are you doing okay, bro? Are you not, well, bro? But are you doing okay, Master Guns? I, yeah. I, I never, I never see you down. I rarely see you down. You okay? You know what yeah. I mean? And that's when I knew I had, I had like some good people, man, some good, good, genuine, freaking human beings. That's yeah, I was surrounded with. I think that's also you and your leadership. You didn't treat it like a rank structure thing. You treated it like you actually cared about that individual, so they felt that and realized like. If I just got some guy who's like, oh, I'm a gunny and you're a sergeant, so this is how it is, then I'm going to be like, all right, that's how it is. But if he treats me like a man or a woman, he treats me like a uh, mentor. Being. He treats me like family. I'm, I care about my dad. 
Yeah. I don't care about my boss as much. Yeah, it's true, man. It is true. I care about my dad. Well, sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's the same way. I feel like my, my, my sergeants, my staff sergeants, when I was like, especially my last couple of units, we were, we were like a family. So it was like, you could tell without even talking to somebody like, man, so someone, so he, like he's down, he's not up today. Like when you talk to him, people would come into my office like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, Oh no, I just, I got shit on my mind. I'm good. I just, I'm thinking about someone. So I'm thinking about something. Yeah. So but sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'd get, like I'd get some awesome and innovative ideas from like yeah. my sergeant, my sergeant below on how to do stuff or, or what to do next. Yeah. Especially, especially when it came to like administrative stuff, SharePoint stuff and how to make stuff better. Yep. Dude. Like the last sergeant had Sergeant Field, um, one of my headquarters freaking sergeants, but she was, was a beast, dude. Like you, she would think like 10 steps into the future of what needed to be done, right? Like, yeah. Like, hey, I got, I got to get this done and this done. Cool. She would develop plans to make both of those things happen at the same time. You know what I mean? It was just, she was just a phenomenal kid. Yeah. Like, it's good stuff. Yeah. Those are innovative kids. They give me the best, the best refreshing. Like, you got to listen to them and you actually got to try to learn what they're saying. <laughs> learn what yeah. you're talking about. If you don't, it ain't going to work because then you can't, and it, you can't really interact with them. But uh, if you learn that, learn that new technology shit and, and you can talk to people or you just talk to them about their problems, they open up to you about their problems and then you really find out what's going on in the unit sometimes. Oh yeah. Completely agree. I, I you know what? I think jujitsu is a huge, a huge way to do that. Cause I had a lot of my students once they realized that I was like an MMA fighter and a, um, uh, jiu-jitsu guy a lot of my marines were like hey when are we gonna go when are we gonna grapple when are we gonna do this so it was one of the big issues i see with every military branch right now when when i was everybody says this but when i was a young marine things were different back in the old court uh we when we got cut loose for the day every basketball court every football field every smoke pit was just filled with marines hanging out with each other yeah, it's clear cut. We go in, we change, we come back out. We're we were always together doing something. I went back to one of the the, the schoolhouses, and I was like, "What? Where's everybody?" It's like it was like seventeen thirty. I was like, "Some where? Why aren't these fields empty?" I go in the squad bay, and every marine is sitting in their rack, looking on their phone. Back yeah. at like back at back from like high school. Fuck, we need a yeah. way to get marines off their racks, off their phones, oh, oh. out of and hang out with the people again. And I think jujitsu is a great way. I think I think <laughs> I think uh, jujitsu is is a great way to do that. You can't take you can't take your phone on the mat. You can't take anything outside of that room onto the mat with you. Uh, even mentally, when you get on the mat, everything kind of just fades away. You're not worried about that. You're worried about the person right in front of you. You're worried about that grip fight. You're worried about that collar. That so. When I had those Marines, I think like we got closer than most other units because I would, <laughs> I would almost force them like, "Hey, we're gonna go do this. Uh, we're gonna meet up. We're gonna do this. If you don't want to roll, you don't have to." But you're learning like, I would throw some McMap in there, so it was kind of like a, "Hey, uh, if you if you want to come out here, I'll show you some McMap stuff so you can get your belt promotion." But we're also gonna do some core plus, and it turned into like a couple of sessions. The first couple of sessions, people were like, "I don't know about this," but then everybody falls in love with it. Like anybody who does it, they fall in love with it for some reason. Um, oh yeah, if it, it's it's it, it's easy to do, especially for the for especially for Marines, I think, because you got to be a little yeah. bit different. Yep. You got to have a little bit of a savage in you to be yeah. a Marine, be a Marine in the first place. And let's be honest, you got to have a little bit of a savage in you 
to fall in love with jujitsu, bro. You just do. Yep. Yep. You got to You got to embrace the losses, but at the same time, be like, "Damn, how do I? I don't want to lose again. I want to win." And then yeah. those people who don't have that, and then they're like, "Ah, well, I lost. He's better. Cool." Like, yeah, yeah, they're probably not gonna stick around too long. Uh, definitely trying to value, improve my game now. Strength and conditioning, man. Tell me your yeah. thoughts on strength and conditioning. So, I I do a lot of strength and conditioning. I think I've done it wrong for quite a while. Um, so, jujitsu competitors, Marines, we want to be the best at everything we freaking do. Like we want to top notch one percenters in everything we do. So I would go and roll hard and learn and. Be, try and become a great jiu-jitsu competitor. But then I would go in the gym and become, try and be like the black belt of weightlifting. So I'm looking at all these crazy CrossFitters and what their scores are, and I'm trying to get myself there. So I would do all the power cleans. I would do the shoulder presses, the thrusters, the everything that I could think of. And I was doing like a hard, uh, like CrossFit session. And then I would go roll and I would do cardio but I've recently realized that I need to supplement one for the other. So if I'm a jujitsu competitor, weightlifting has to be your supplemental work. Yes. I can't destroy my shoulders by catching like 250 pound power cleans and then go to the gym and work on arm bars. Like my shoulders just can't do that. Yep. Um, I'm kind of pulling back a lot, not necessarily work-wise, but what I do this is my game. How can I make that game better? Obviously, I want to work like that hip extension. I want to work my posterior chain. I want to work my pulling muscles, my twisting muscles. But how do I do that without just destroying my body? I don't run anymore. I swim yeah. as much as I can. I do elliptical. I do assault bike. I do rowing. But I try and supplement and not become – I'm not trying to be world-class in every aspect of my life. I need to know which one I – like where's my goal and which one's – supplement me getting to that goal hell yeah man that's you're just spitting fire right now dude i'm just saying listen like <laughs> dude this is the shit this is it's true though some of the stuff is what i need to hear because i need to i need to just work on like not super just trying to lift heavy and i've been doing that but it's like yeah. reaffirming it's reaffirming what i've been doing like i've been focused on on the reps and on the time like for the kettlebell i, I keep the flow going for a, a little bit longer each time you know yeah uh, but yeah, and I'm just killing the heavy weights. I can't do it. So I said, cool. Yeah. I know I'm doing it right then. Because I focus on my jujitsu. I focus on my jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't catch power cleans anymore. I'll power them off the ground or off the blocks or whatever I need to do. But I'll get them to that position. But I just won't drop under them to catch anymore. So I'm still working that explosion. I'm working that posterior chain. I'm working that hip extension. I'm working everything. But I'm not destroying my shoulders and elbows by catching 250 pounds over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I also power cleans is my thing in football, man. It's like a coach told me when I was like a freshman, he was coach Devo. It's like the more you can power clean or the better you get a power clean, the harder you hit. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the fuck out of some people. Yeah. I love power cleans. So, but I also like, so I work with a couple athletes too, but I don't, if, they're jujitsu guys. I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to teach them the technique of power cleans because there's so much technique in it. So we start from blocks and I'm like, just pull it off the block into like a hip extension. So we kind of do like a modified deadlift and then we kind of work through it, but I'm, I'm really not trying to get them to be able to go from like the floor into pot perfect position to the perfect catch to like so many 
strength and conditioning coaches who don't do jujitsu, don't do MMA. They kind of, they want them to be good at the sport that they do. So instead of taking a jujitsu guy and making him stronger, they take a jujitsu guy and make him a better power cleaner. And I'm like, that's, that's not my job. My job is to make you better at your sport. So I don't want to waste your time at my gym learning a technique that doesn't help you in jujitsu. So I try and tailor it so they can do the tech, they can work whatever the muscle group is or whatever the, uh, the chain is without spending hours learning how to pop the hips, drive and drop. Oh yeah. I dig it, man. I dig it. Muscle memory is a real thing for me too. So you're spitting fire again. (laughs) Uh, And the the last thing is you got to know your athlete. I think, People, people say, hey, uh, oh, you're, you're, I compete IBJJF. Oh, you're a master too, so you only got to do five minutes. That's, I mean, that's an easy round. Like, yeah, but it's 100% for five minutes. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a master's four. I'm quite tired because I'm going yeah, hard. <laughs> yeah, there's the thing. Like, nope. If you look at like the adult black belt division, it's 10 minutes. But how much of that 10 minutes are they going 100% effort? It's you see that they flow a lot because because they have time to do things. They have time to set things up. They have time. If oh, if you, man, if you sweep me, I have time to get that those points back. Yeah. Whereas in masters divisions, it's five minutes. I don't have a lot of time to get things going. So they're I think they're most of the time they're more intense for shorter durations. So you have to train that. So when we do like our assault bikes, it's longer periods with shorter rest times for like a, uh, for a master than it would be for adult division. Cause it's a, a lot more, uh, flowing. I, it, I dig that. I dig that, man. I think I'd want to, I'd want to hit a, a spin bike session with you and a salt bike session with you. Cause I, I work on sprints too for the salt bike, but I have to tailor it with my knee. Yeah. If I do, if I, during the COVID man, we couldn't even roll for a while. Well, yep. we, we were supposed to not roll for a while, but anyway, I was doing the salt bike a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got one in like I've got a pretty nice setup in my gym at the in my house. So nice. usually every morning I'm on the assault bike for like twenty five, uh, like twenty five k, or I do like the rower, depending on if I'm doing a pulling motion or a pushing motion. But yeah, I like the I like the row. Yeah, I alternate between like just my arms on the assault bike, just my legs, and then going back and forth like with both of them. So if your knees bothering you, like focus on the pulling and the pushing of the the top of the assault bike if you're you're not just crushing your knee all, the whole time. That's good intel too, right there. I don't do enough of that, like for real. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good intel right there too. I'm the but, opposite. I really like. I've had four surgeries on my right shoulder, so a lot of times, like it's a lot of leg and just a little bit of the arms to get it going. But my shoulder sometimes says nope, and I, I think that's we got to listen to it too. Yeah, the you're right. You get, or you listen to your body. You're like, yes. You gotta listen to your body. Cause sometimes I, I used to I've done that so many times and I still do it now on occasion. I just keep pushing when I shouldn't. Yep. I keep I keep skateboarding with my kids when I'm tired. And yep. when are you gonna when are you gonna crash on the skateboard? When you're fatigued. You know, that's normally when you <laughs> when you're all fresh, you're good, bro. But when you're trying to do some stuff and you're tired, you know, that's when your old man fall on your ass. You know? Exactly. But, yep. but those are the lessons we learn in life, I guess. But it's good stuff. Yeah. But but I've also I've also found like you talked about jujitsu saving people and bringing people in it brings people peace and it really does man it really does sometimes and it it brings people in contact with other genuinely good people because so I have so many great people on my team and I've met so many great people at other teams like they're at Tenth Planet and Oceanside man there's it's amazing individuals from that school it's just great and now we get another school over here across the Great Inland Valley I met a lot of new veterans from over there 
Yeah. And you know, it's just different when you get on the mat and you're and you're training with a bunch of former Marines. Like all of a sudden these dudes are in their 40 or in their 50s. Yeah. And now they're they're talking to me about the Marine Corps and we just vibed really well. And it was just and they were all white belts, of course, but you know, and of course I'm going a little easier, working my technique just to freaking flow with these guys, but the energy was just so positive. You know, I loved yep. it. Yep. I think man, I I can't remember who said it. I don't want to mislabel who said this quote, but so I never and this was like, a, like maybe a coral belt, like one of the Machados, somebody like somebody really high level. He's like, I've never met somebody who became a worse person when they started jujitsu. Hundreds of thousands of people who became better people through jujitsu, but I've never met a single person who became a worse person after starting jujitsu. I was like, damn, 100 percent true. Yeah, they're already a, if they're a shitty person. Maybe they didn't get better, but they're already a shitty person. <laughs> yeah, you don't see, yeah, you don't see anybody who's a good dude go into jujitsu and be like, oh, now I'm badass and turn into like a, an asshole. Yeah, yeah, it never happens. You never see that. No, not a yeah. chance. You will see people definitely see some people who have like it was beautiful for me, and I think it really saved my soul, man, by putting on the gi as a master guns. You know, putting yeah. on the gi and starting over as a white belt. You know, that's it was a humbling freaking first year for me getting <laughs> fucked up, but it was so good for my soul and like it reconnected yep. me with my troops and reminded me of what it was like to be a PFC again, you know? And I, and I, I just, I just loved it. I agree with that. Yep. I just loved it. And I, and I love it. Now. People but, are afraid to start over. People are true. afraid to like, I don't want to do something new because I'm so good at what I've, I'm doing now or I'm so high level. I don't want to start something new and be the beginner again. And this is, I, this is what I tell all my high level black belt BJJ friends that don't want to come to striking class. Bro, don't be afraid to try something new. <laughs> yeah, huh? I mean, you're starting a, doing your podcast thing too. Like, that's something new that you haven't done before. Like, I think once you start doing it, it becomes you want to start something else new. You want to like because you realize the process. I mean, obviously, Master Guns knows the process of starting something, but after 30 years, you kind of forget what it's like to be those first couple yeah. of years, and you do yes. you just shit being a beginner is kind of fun you yeah. learn so much yes. so quickly dude you're hitting this nail right on the head for how i'm thinking right now it's so great <laughs> yeah. oh shit that was you no no i'm good okay now you lost you again but yeah oh. this is this is good man i'm liking the vibe of it i want to hit this i want to we're, we're gonna hit this up again man i want to hit you on instagram to instagram live one time and we'll talk okay. about and we'll go over what we did about the first part of the podcast because you were spitting some straight fire <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get that out there. Even if it's just a 15, 20 minute piece, okay, and that's, yeah. all, that's, yeah, that's all we need is to get out there. But we'll do that. Let's do that again sometime next week. Maybe when I'm in Vegas. Maybe when I'm. Oh, shit. But while I'm there, get some last okay. minute advice before I get on the mat. Definitely, man. That's... That'd be some shit, wouldn't it? Like in, in my <laughs> gi and shit. Let's do a live from the podcast. Get my phone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> From the from the bullpen and shit, <laughs> and then as and then as soon as you come back from getting your hand raised, you, we'll fucking jump back on there and be like, "Hey, fuck, that would be so dope, dude." I think we should do this. <laughs> I'll see how it goes next week, man. If I hit you up, man, don't be surprised. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll answer, man. Hell yeah, brother. Well, I got to get ready for class now, man. I got to get ready to go get strangled. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, appreciate I appreciate your time, it. man. I appreciate your time, and I want to connect again for sure. Okay, cool. Anytime. Hell yeah, brother. Talk to you later.